the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. God of abundant life, by the gift of your spirit, turn our hearts and minds to hear your living word afresh. May our lives answer your eternal word with resurrection hope. Amen. A reading from the book of Leviticus. Listen for God's word to you. The Lord said to Moses, Say the whole community of the Israelites, You must be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. You must keep all my rules and all my regulations and do them so that the land I am bringing to you where you will live won't vomit you out. You must not follow the practices of the nations that I am throwing out before you because they did all of these things and I was disgusted with them. But I have told you, you will certainly possess their fertile land. I am giving it to you to possess. It is a land full of milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from all other peoples. So you must separate between ready for worship and restricted animals and between ready for worship and restricted birds. Do not become dispensable through some animal, bird, or anything that moves on the fertile ground that I have separated from you as restricted. You must be holy to me because I am the Lord am holy and I have separated you from all other peoples to be my own. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the first letter of Peter. Listen, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Therefore, once you have your minds ready for action and you are thinking clearly, place your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Don't be conformed to your former desires, those that shaped you when you were ignorant, but as obedient children, you must be holy in every aspect of your lives, just as the one who called you is holy. It is written, you will be holy because I am holy. Since you call upon a father who judges all people according to their actions without favoritism, you should conduct yourselves with reverence during the time of your dwelling in a strange land. Live in this way, knowing that you were not liberated by perishable things like silver or gold from the empty lifestyle you inherited from your ancestors, Instead, 
you were liberated by the precious blood of Christ, like that of a flawless, spotless lamb. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was only revealed at the end of time. This was done for you, who through Christ are faithful to the God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. So now your faith and hope should rest in God. As you set yourselves apart by your obedience to the truth so that you might have genuine affection for your fellow believers, love each other deeply and earnestly. Do this because you have been given new birth, not from the type of seed that decays, but from seed that does not. This seed is God's life-giving and enduring word. Thus, all human life on the earth is like grass, and all human glory is like a flower in a field. The grass dries up, and its flower falls off, but the Lord's word endures forever. This is the word that was proclaimed to you as good news. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When my friend Trey served in the U.S. Marine Corps, he spent extra money on good running socks. Not running shoes, socks. At the commissary, he passed over the six-pack of Hanes and found a product that was the perfect blend of cotton for breathability and wool for warmth. In these socks, he could run for miles without getting blisters. They would retain their cushion after every laundry cycle. These were quality socks. But my friend didn't shell out 12 bucks a pop because he had a taste for the finer things in footwear. No, Trey invested in socks for running because keeping in top physical shape would help him pursue promotion, further leadership in his unit. His purchase had a purpose, and within the scope of this purpose, even mundane details, like a pair of socks, mattered. Trey's socks make me think of the world of Leviticus, the third book of the Bible, the, the middle of the Torah. Leviticus is heavy on details. Details on sacrifice, details on diet, details about clothing and hygiene and economics. This week, the Torah portion that Jewish congregations have heard all over the world, the Torah portion called Tazria, deals with statutes about childbirth, skin disease, male emissions, and menstruation. When was the last time you heard a sermon about those? I imagine, like me, most of you have skipped over Leviticus. The world it describes sounds strange to our modern ears. But it is in this world 
that the Apostle Peter invites us to find our bearings as disciples of Jesus. Right from the beginning of the letter, Peter talks in a Leviticus language. To God's chosen strangers, he writes, chosen to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. In the world of Leviticus, blood is life. You drain the blood from slaughtered animals because as the bearer of life, blood belongs to God, the giver of life. You sprinkle blood on a person who has undergone quarantine for a skin disease because as the substance of life, blood grounds them in the life of the covenant community that God has established. Peter's focus in our reading today is on life in covenant community. As obedient children, you must be holy in every aspect of your lives, just as the one who called you is holy. And just like his listeners, we can hear that common refrain that runs throughout Leviticus, you must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Growing up in the charismatic Church of God in Christ, Dr. Elise Barrymore knew this verse by heart. She could recite it backwards if you asked. In her church community, holy living meant good behavior, holding herself to a high moral standard. Holy living meant separating herself from a profane, immoral world. Eventually, Barrymore realized that whatever her intentions might be, holy could quickly devolve into holier than thou. Doubtless you've had a similar experience in or outside of the church. Maybe your church growing up found critical thinking too exhausting and so boiled down discipleship into a list of do's and don'ts. Or maybe you found yourself driven out of the community where you thought you belonged, either because you made a mistake or because your church family thought your life was a mistake. Outside of faith communities, we don't have any trouble judging other people's lives as unhealthy, unsustainable, or detached from reality. About 10 years ago, I heard Dr. Barrymore name that tension aloud. Maybe it's time we stop focusing so much on being holy, she said. I think it's time we, we try being nice. And in fact, Peter wouldn't disagree to be holy to be set apart should lead to genuine affection. Love each other deeply and earnestly, he writes. And you know, as someone who walked all over Galilee with Jesus, Peter should know that holy love extends beyond the borders of family and friends. Spirit-infused love reaches out to the neighbor to the stranger, 
to enemies even. But there is an even more profound meaning to holiness, a gift that we do not expect to receive from Leviticus. At the heart of the Torah, we hear God reiterate how much God wants to spend life with us, how much God wants to share life with us. This has been God's design from the beginning, of course, when the Creator walked through the Garden of Eden in the coolness of the evening. And even though our first parents turned away, kept turning away, God always has turned towards us. Even when the extended family of Israel thought that the God of their ancestors had abandoned them to enslavement in Egypt, the living God rescued them, ushering them safely through the sea. When the Holy One affirmed this covenant relationship between a people and their God, how the people witnessed God's awesome presence descending on Mount Sinai in a thick cloud. Thunder boomed, lightning flashed, the earth trembled. It was awe-inspiring and beautiful beyond words. Leviticus begins with another Emmanuel moment, another God-with-us experience. Then the Lord called to Moses from the meeting tent. The meeting tent, or the tabernacle, was like a miniature Sinai. Its worship spaces were called the three zones of the mountain. You had the outer court, which recreated the base where the whole community had gathered to worship. You had the biddle space with the bread of the presence, hearkening back to where Israel's elders had feasted with God. And finally, in the inner sanctum, the holy of holies holding the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence rested as it did on the mountaintop. Wherever they went, the mobile meeting tent went with them. Wherever they were, whether in the wilderness or in the promised land, Sinai would always be with them. But then the Lord called to Moses from the meeting tent, mini Mount Sinai, and instructed the community how to find Sinai in everyday life. Woven into the fabric of creation is God's desire to share life with us. In the body of a sacrificial lamb, in the human body, in the layout of Leviticus itself, Sinai is everywhere. God's awe-inspiring presence calls us at every moment, even in mundane details. That's why holiness as a neat division between good and not good, is misleading. Because holiness in the world of the Torah, the world in which Peter wants to orient us, isn't first of all about morals. It's about 
relationship. It's about worship. Now, it doesn't help that our Bibles liberally sprinkle Leviticus with words like clean and unclean, pure and impure. Uh, Take this week's Torah portion, which opens with a discussion of a child's first weeks with its mother. Now, children are a joy, and the time that a mother spends in seclusion is, is special. It bears similarity to modern parental leave. Childbirth hasn't stained this woman with sin, making her impure, but she isn't ready for worship with the community. After all, she has a baby to care for. And so Leviticus names her Tame, not unclean, not impure, restricted. Restricted and ready for worship. These are the categories in Leviticus that dictate holiness. And suddenly, Peter's letter takes on a different tone. When he writes, conduct yourselves with reverence, with sacred awe. Live ready for worship. It means that you'll encounter Sinai everywhere. You'll encounter the mountain of God's presence everywhere. Maybe even the Sermon on the Mount everywhere. You'll hear how Lively Run Dairy is raising money to save surplus milk that farmers are otherwise forced to dump in order to turn it into cheese and then to donate it to local food pantries. In your ears, you'll hear Jesus say, How worthy of honor, how blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll see neighbors making masks so that everyone can stay safe during this pandemic. And in your heart, you'll remember Jesus saying, how worthy of honor, how blessed are those who show mercy. You'll even meet people whose understanding of this virus is not based on the guidance of the Centers for Disease Control or any other reputable medical source. You might, I might, be tempted to dismiss such folks. Many names come to mind. Jesus warns us about calling people idiots. In my soul, I hear Jesus remind me, you have heard that it was said long ago, don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with their sister or brother is in danger of judgment. Living ready for worship It's a challenge, yes. And Leviticus acknowledges that we may not always be ready. But we can always become ready. God is always already here with us. In fact, God has already liberated us from the power of sin that would tell us God wants nothing to do with us. 
Live in this way, Peter says, knowing that you were not liberated by perishable things. You were liberated by the precious blood of Jesus, like that of a flawless, spotless lamb. You see, before Sinai, there was Exodus. Before God's people stood at the base of the mountain, they prepared a meal with unleavened bread and a lamb whose blood marked their homes. In God's story, law never comes without liberation. In Jesus Christ, the Savior whose death God transformed into a sign of hope, we have been marked as God's own. In Jesus Christ, whose resurrected life has birthed us into that living hope, we have been freed for a faith beyond fear. In Jesus Christ, the word who has pitched a tent in human flesh, who has literally tabernacled among us, God calls to us, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Learn my ways so that you can recognize me wherever you go. And so we come, ready for worship. We tell the truth about ourselves in worship and find God's forgiveness is enough to make us honest with others. We listen to the word in worship and receive the grace of Christ, restoring us and giving us the wisdom we need. We bring our world to God in prayer and experience Christ connecting us to neighbors near and far. And someday, someday when we can gather around the Lord's table, Christ will nourish us and then send us out to share our bread with the hungry. Friends, such is the longing of God to share life with us and to reconcile all creation. Such is the holiness of God far more joyful than any attempt of ours to be holy. Such is the grace of God, lavished on the world, sparkling in the details. For such grace, let us offer all glory and gratitude to God, the one who chose us, who suffered and was raised for us, who is making us holy. Amen.